Welcome to Vegan Stories Podcast, featuring people who eat abundantly, live vibrantly, and dream of a vegan world. I'm your host, Jeff Rosenblum, and today's guest has been devoted to a plant-exclusive diet for over 43 years. She is the host of the television series Healthy Living with Chef AJ, which airs on Foodie TV. A chef, culinary instructor, and professional speaker, she is author of the popular book, Unprocessed, How to Achieve Vibrant Health and Your Ideal Weight, which chronicles her journey from an obese junk food vegan faced with a diagnosis of precancerous polyps to learning how to create foods that nourish and heal the body. Her best-selling book, The Secrets to Ultimate Weight Loss, A Revolutionary Approach to Conquer Cravings, Overcome Food Addiction, and Lose Weight Without Going Hungry, has received glowing endorsement by many luminaries in the plant-based movement. And her latest book with co-author Glenn Merzer, Own Your Health, How to Live Long and Avoid Chronic Illness, is filled with life-saving information presented with crystalline clarity. She was the executive pastry chef at Sante Restaurant in Los Angeles, where she was famous for her sugar, oil, salt, and gluten-free desserts, which use the fruit, the whole fruit, and nothing but the whole fruit. She is the creator of the Ultimate Weight Loss Program, which has helped hundreds of people achieve the health and the body that they deserve and is proud to say that her IQ is higher than her cholesterol. In 2018, she was inducted into the Vegetarian Hall of Fame. For the past year, she has done a live YouTube show every day, sometimes more in one day, talking to experts and showing new recipes. I am thrilled, honored, and excited to welcome to Vegan Stories Podcast, the one and only Chef AJ. Hi, Chef AJ. Hi, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing great. Chef AJ, you may be the most unique guest I've had on my podcast because you're a longtime ethical vegan who went from eating junk food to eating SOS, salt, oil, sugar-free, and losing a lot of weight. You're an entrepreneur, chef, author, speaker, instructor, TV show host, weight loss program creator, host of a daily live YouTube show, and comedian who appeared on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And I know none of my other guests ever did that. So thank you for joining me today. Oh, thank you for having me. Yes. That was fun because, you know, being on The Tonight Show, I actually did a wonderful podcast. It's about being on The Tonight Show. Oh, wow. I, I would love to hear that. And, and I have to uh, ask you about that in a little while. But, you know, I always like to begin by giving our listeners a better idea of who they're listening to. So would you please tell us your age? Yeah, I don't mind. Um, on March 22nd, 2021, I will turn 61 years old. Oh, well, happy birthday, and, and that's fantastic. And Chef AJ, where are you originally from? Chicago, Illinois. Ah, ah okay. And, and I know you currently live on the West Coast, but where do you currently live specifically out there? 
Well, if you've ever heard of the Coachella Music Festival, which didn't happen because of the pandemic, I actually live in the same town that it occurs in. It's called Indio. It's about 21 miles east of Palm Springs, but I've only lived here about two years. Most of my life was spent in Los Angeles. Oh, well, it's beautiful out there. And, and I appreciate that information, Chef AJ. Now, what led you to go vegan 43 years ago, I believe it was? Yeah, it's going to be 44 on September 1st. Wow. So I always joke that I went, I always wanted to be a veterinarian, at least growing up. I went to the University of Pennsylvania and in 1977, I got a scholarship to Penn and part of the scholarship was working for a veterinarian. And so the very first day on the job, he handed me a tank of live salamanders and he asked me to decapitate all of them. And of course, I didn't want to because, well, I'm a very squeamish person. Even when people tried to take me fishing, you know, I never I just never liked blood or death or anything, even though, of course, I was eating animals. And I asked the doctor why we had to cut their heads off. And he said he was doing a protein lens regeneration experiment in amphibians and he only needed the eyes. They took up too much room if they were alive. And I didn't know what to do because I didn't want to do it. But I was afraid because I was on scholarship to, to refuse. So I cut one head off. And I'll tell you, that changed my life forever. I became an instant ethical vegan. I got so disgusted with that experience. I mean, I mean, you know, salamanders don't cry, but they sure bleed. And it was not a nice thing to do. And I got sick and I, I, mean, I started vomiting. I was so just appalled at my behavior. I went to the student health center. And right then I said to God, I'm never going to kill or eat. You know, I'm never going to harm, at least knowingly, another one of your creatures again. So I joke, instead of becoming a veterinarian, I became a vegetarian. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's hilarious. And, and when and why did you make the transition from eating junk food to eating super healthy like you do now? Yeah. So, so, you know, when people see me now, they see the end result. It was not overnight, Jeff. It was, you know, I would say, well, here, here, let's, let's say, let's start this way. Became vegan September 1st, 1977, totally a junk food vegan. There was no internet in 77. When I was 17, there was no Dr. Neil Barnard or PCRM or anything like that. And so all I did was take animal products out of my diet. So that meant everything else I was eating was could be junk. It didn't have to be. I could have eaten fruits and vegetables and whole grains and tubers. But instead, I decided to have Coke Slurpees for breakfast because at the time, I didn't realize I was a food addict, a sugar addict specifically. Dr. Pepper was vegan. French fries are vegan. Potato chips are vegan. So I became a junk food vegan or a vegetarian. And that's how I got my weight up to close to 200 pounds at five foot, between five foot five and five foot six. And I probably would have continued that way because this food is so addictive, meaning processed food. However, on January 1st, 2003, I woke up bleeding profusely after using the bathroom because it turned out I had what they call pre-colon cancer. So my sigmoid colon was riddled with what is called edematous polyps, the kind that if not removed, turn into cancer. And so the doctor could not remove them. At, well, not during the, the, the outpatient procedure because of my colon being so, as he said, dirty. Like, well, what do you expect? 43 years of eating nothing but crap, not eating any fruits and vegetables. So he said, I would have to have real surgery, like the kind where you have general anesthesia and they cut you open and take lots of drugs. And I am so afraid of that because when I was 19, I had an allergic reaction to a general anesthetic and almost died. I woke up, you know, being almost intubated and in the hospital for months. So I, I became really phobic with with medical procedures, even having to go to a pedodontist until almost the age of 40. That's how scared I am now of all of this stuff. 
And so I said, no, thanks. And so instead, I went to the Optimum Health Institute. There's one in Austin, Texas, and one in Lemon Grove, California. And it was the first time in my life that anyone, let alone doctors and nurses, told me that what we eat has a profound effect on not only how we look and feel, but what diseases we get and what diseases we can reverse. And even though I wasn't eating animal products, which is great for your health, I was eating a just basically processed food. And they were explaining how the only way you can get any disease is if you have inflammation in the body. And when you eat things like processed food and oils and sugars and flours and, and, you know, alcohol, which I wasn't eating, but caffeine, which I certainly was, this creates inflammation. And so I had a really bad diet, despite the fact that it was free of animal products. And so at the Optimum Health Institute, it was raw. There was no cooked food. And they gave you juices and they gave you seed cheese and, and salads. I mean, it was it really it's not like a gourmet uh, culinary experience, but it is a place of great healing. And there were people there from all over the world. I mean, I know people from Japan and, and you name it. And they were there with all kinds of diseases ranging from lupus to Lyme's disease to brain cancer. And they were giving testimonials on how eating this way, meaning an unprocessed way, there happened to be all raw without any sugar or oil or salt or flour or alcohol or caffeine no drug-like foods, these people were healing. And I thought, well, gosh, these, these diseases are way more serious than mine. Mine isn't even cancer yet. And the people with cancer are healing. This should be a piece of kale. So I stayed on that diet for well, actually for close to two years, but for sure for six months, real strict. And then I went back and I had a repeat colonoscopy. I actually didn't have a colonoscopy because they, the H, I had an HMO at the time and they wouldn't pay for it. So they, they only would do a sigmoidoscopy, which was enough to diagnose this. And I got the same GI doctor and he said, uh, he asked me where I had my surgery done. And I go, what are you talking about? He goes, well, you're, there's no more polyps. And we took photographs of all the polyps. And, you know, he had the size and the location. He said, your colon is clear, clean, pink, and vascular like a newborn baby. Where did you go? I said, I didn't go anywhere. I just changed my diet. And he goes, well, that's impossible. And he storms out of the room. And the assisting GI doctor, who I think was from India because of her accent, says, oh, I believe you. And so right there, as Oprah says, a light bulb moment. It's like, wow, food is medicine or it's poison. Can't be both. That really changed your life. And you've helped change so many lives since then. And and that led you to writing your amazing book, Unprocessed, where you did chronicle that journey. Tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So you're right, because I didn't know this. You know, I remember going to a doctor in my 20s and, you know, he would say, you know, you're fat, lose weight. But they really didn't kind of, you know, eat less, exercise more. Oh, well, that's great advice. Yeah, like that really works, you know. <laughs> but I do remember saying, like, you know, I think I think I'm addicted to sugar. And he's like, oh, you can't be addicted to sugar as he was, you know, having his Diet Coke break. So, yeah. So what I learned at the Optimum Health Institute is, you know, I'm vegan for ethical reasons. And I also think it's the best diet for health on the planet. But I know that not everybody is going to go vegan. So I wanted to make the case for whether you think we should eat animal products or not, no one needs to eat processed food. It's not food. It's readily available. It's socially acceptable and it's affordable. 
but it's not food. It's just in a bag, a box, a bottle, or a can with a couple of exceptions like tomatoes or beans. It's not food. And that's what I really learned at the Optimum Health Institute. And it changed my perception of food forever. Because I remember when I came home, I, I, I checked into the Optimum Health Institute. I remember it was Sunday, July 6, 2003. And I had heard from people that if you're caught there with contraband, meaning non-compliant food, they will kick you out and not refund your, you know, your fee that you pay. And so I had the cab driver pick me up at the San Diego airport and take me to 7-Eleven. And I had, I bought a, both a Coke Slurpee and a Dr. Pepper. I drank it before I, I came in. And, you know, it was amazing the education I got there because it made me look at what is food and food is something that comes from a plant. It's not something that's manufactured in a plant. And I remember when I got home and I went to the grocery store, it was like, there's no food here. I mean, other than in the produce section and maybe in the bulk section with the grains and the beans, I'm like, all these aisles. I mean, why do you need 26 aisles when there's no food? No, it's unbelievable. And and I think so many people do start out that way. And I did that for a couple of years. I wouldn't necessarily say junk food, but processed foods, you know, which I guess most of them are junk and, and then going 100% whole food plant-based or as close to it as possible has been one of the greatest decisions I've ever made. And it sounds like you as well. And, and Chef AJ, tell us about your TV series, Healthy Living with Chef AJ. Oh, that was fun. I got, I got a chance to do an actual television show in New York. I think God, it was maybe five or six years ago. So that was fun. It was a cooking show, but I also put a little bit of lifestyle in it that I had guests like Dr. Esselstyn and Dr. Campbell, one episode with both of them. So I kind of interviewed them. So that was really a joy. That was a, a really fun thing. I would love the opportunity to do something like that again. But man, TV is expensive. I, I produced the show. So yeah, that means I paid for it. And I didn't make any money for doing it. But it was a wonderful experience. Well, that's great. And, and now as an executive pastry chef, you were known for healthy, fruity desserts. Can you tell us about some of those? Yeah, not all of them were fruity. A lot of them had, you know, chocolate and peanut butter, those kind of things, but they were all whole food. As a matter of fact, I think I only used flour in one recipe in, in the German chocolate cake, but I was able to also make it without flour and make a raw version. So, yeah, that was actually kind of fun. I worked at a restaurant that's no longer there on La Brea called Sante, which means health. And it was not a vegan restaurant, but it was more of like a healthy restaurant. And so they didn't care that the pastries were vegan as long as they taste good, because when you go for an interview as a chef, you basically cook a test meal. So, you know, that's how they, you know, they didn't care that as a matter of fact, they saved them money by not using eggs or, or oil, you know? Absolutely. And, you know, you've helped so many people with your ultimate weight loss program. Tell us about that. Yeah. So that's something I started, I think it was 2014 or 15 with a conference that I used to do every year called the ultimate weight loss conference. And it just, you know, was a way to support people that wanted to eat this way. And by this way, I mean, whole food plant exclusive, I call it sofas free sugar, oil, flour, alcohol, salt. And the only reason I added the F and the A to Dr. Goldhammer's acronym SOS sugar, oil, salt free is that people were continuing to drink alcohol and continuing to eat flour products and wondering why they were still stuck in the pleasure trap suffering from food addictions and not losing weight. And Dr. Goldheimer said, oh, everybody should know that the S in sugar means all refined carbohydrates like alcohol and flour. And I'm like, well, guess what? They don't. So I tell people if they want to lose weight, manage their food addictions and get healthy, get off their sofas, literally and figuratively.
Well, that's great advice. Can you tell us about some of the success stories? I'm sure you've had so many. Yeah. So the the first one that pops out is Shada. And you can find her uh, healthy. Her name is on YouTube and social media her, is Healthy Cooking with Shada. And we started our journey about 10 days apart. I started I, my ultimate weight loss journey on July, excuse me, January 2nd, 2012. She started about 10 days later when I started the program because I was running it before I took the program online. I was running it in person in my home in Los Angeles. Like every few months, it would be like a 21 day program and people would come four weeks in a row. And she ended up, it's funny to, to think that she lost more than I weigh. She lost 120 pounds wow. and she lost a whole person, but she had see the thing is to me, the success stories, Jeff, aren't the ones that lose weight necessarily, but the ones that can keep it off. And and just like me, we're both going on 10 years now, keeping our weight off. And, you know, she it was spectacular. And I just assumed everybody was going to be like that. You give them the information, they do it. Well, apparently they're not. There's a pretty high recidivism rate where addiction is concerned and weight loss. But she's the one that really sticks out because, you know, she stuck with it so long. And, you know, I don't think there's any turning back now. Once I think a lot of times if people can make that two-year mark where they don't gain any weight back, they're, they're often, that means that they've, they've done it. You know, of course, there could always be exceptions. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned the word addiction, and I have been telling people about that a lot lately where they say, you know, I just can't stop eating salty potato chips. Why is that? And I explained the addiction that it's just as strong as as drugs and alcohol, maybe even stronger, the addiction to food, salt, sugar, fat. So can you talk to us a little more about that word you used and and, uh, your experience with working with people that are literally addicted, which are most people? Yeah. Right. Well, so the, 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 the most people agree that the definition of addiction is continued use despite adverse consequences. So, you know, if you can't, you know, it, like, well, for example, I could say that breathing is addictive, you know, because, <laughs> but, but it doesn't have adverse consequences. You know, I, I mean, I continually choose to breathe. Not breathing would be a, an adverse consequence, but these foods, meaning these processed foods, especially these ultra refined foods, they were engineered in a lab to be addictive. And there's so much science now proving this. Michael Moss's new book, Hooked, just came out, but he has another book before that called Salt, Sugar, and Fat, How the Food Giants Hooked Us. And a book even before that by Dr. David Kessler, the former head of the FDA called The End of Overeating basically explained how sugar is addictive, fat is addictive, and salt is addictive. And when they're put together in processed food, restaurant food, they layer it and load it to create this hyper palatable bliss point in in the brains of the consumer where you literally can't stop eating it. So, you know, when I was growing up, I think this was maybe in the 70s or 80s, the television commercial for Lay's potato chips, bet you can't eat just one. Most people can't. You know, once you pop, you just can't stop. Yes. Are there going to be some people that can moderate their use of junk food? Absolutely. There's people that can moderate their use of alcohol and not be alcoholics. But if you can't stop drinking, then it's not you. That's right. That's right. Now, Chef AJ, tell us about your latest book, Own Your Health. Yeah. So um, Own Your Health is my, well, that's really, okay. So Unprocessed, you mentioned, I wrote with Glenn Merzer, or he wrote with me, Secrets to Ultimate Weight Loss, my second book, the one that was a bestseller we wrote together. This was actually his story. So it's a very good book. It's just that there's the only part of me in it is this time, just the recipes. So that was fun to just have to do the recipes because writing all those words is a lot of work. (laughs) (laughs) I believe it. 
writing writing recipes can be a little bit, take a lot of time too but but at least at least that's what I do because I'm a chef so yeah so it's fun so Glenn is much in alignment with my way of eating he eats my way at least I think all the time if not mo- most of the time if not all the time and yeah so it's it's basically you know I love the title own your health because I do believe that Jeff that people can take control of their health destiny you know and not give it over to the pharmaceutical industry and the medical industry and the processed food industry you know I believe that 100%. And, you know, I recently had another chef on on this show, and I asked this same question. And I'm always so interested with writing recipes, like you mentioned. Do you actually put pen to paper first? Do you experiment in the pot or, or a, a combination of the two? I, um, I, I definitely don't put pen to paper first. I, the first thing I do is think about it. Like a lot of times I'll just think about something that, that's a missing, like that I, oh, well, I wish I could make a lemon meringue pie compliant. And I, I mean, I literally almost hurt my brain thinking about it like as much as I can and how would I do it? And usually if I spend enough time thinking about it, often the very first time I do it, it's, it's, a, it's almost close to perfect. I, I don't know. It's just, I just, it's like, I just, I, I wish I could explain what goes on in my brain when I think about it, but I think about it a long time. And then when I'm like ready, I go in the kitchen and and I execute it. But sometimes at least, well, when we didn't have a pandemic, I would often be a, a speaking at conferences and they'd often ask me to do an iron chef where they would just throw some ingredients at me. And I would love that because some of my best recipes have been made up just by people giving me ingredients and me just putting them together. Well, well, you're a true artist. You really are. Because, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I have a hard time creating recipes. I love following them. And I've made some great recipes in the past, but uh, from following others. But yeah, it really is is an art. And you obviously have that gift. And and you mentioned the pandemic over this past year since COVID began. You've done one, often more live YouTube shows every day. And I've enjoyed so many of them. And it's such a great service and you've done so much to help promote veganism and healthy living. Tell us about how that began and what your plans are moving forward. Obviously you're continuing to do it and I hope you continue to do it forever. Yeah, I love it, Jeff. Just like you're doing with me right now. I really think I like interviewing people more than being interviewed. It's just something fun about it. Getting to know people and getting like, like today before our interview, I guess who I hung out with an hour and a half, Dr. McDougal. I mean, like, when would that happen in life? You know, nice. so so what happened is I believe March 20th was the first day that I went live and I am not the best with technology. I got an iPhone late in life. I texted late. In, I mean, it was really hard for me to learn technology. And so I was using this new technology called Restream that now after a year, I'm pretty good at. But right at the beginning, I couldn't quite figure out what button to push because restream goes to wherever you want not net wherever you want but you can pay for as many places you want you can stream it on your website you can put it on youtube you can put it on facebook and so i have i had like three different facebook groups that i was moderating that were private and then i had my professional page and and then i had youtube and and so i figured well you know what i'm just gonna check in with my people in my group see how they're doing but I couldn't figure out what button to push. So we went everywhere on Facebook and YouTube. And there was a lot of people watching, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, pandemic people, and not that they're not hungry for connection now, but we didn't know back then what we knew now that this was going to be a year or more. And so, God, there were like maybe five or 600 people watching. And we were just there kind of like communities support each other. And so I, I, I did it a couple more times just to check in with the group, not the group now to everybody. And I'm like, God, I'm going to get bored if I'm, I'm the only one here. So I contacted a few of my friends, like uh, doctors, you know, doctors at True North. And I said, hey, would you just come live with me? 
and they did. And then it became a show without me knowing it. And then people started, I mean, at one point, and this is why people think like, they must've thought like, oh, she just doesn't want me on the show. And it's not true at all. I'm not kidding. At one point I had 200 people that were trying to get booked because, because um, I, you know, I didn't want to ask people to be on the show because every now and then I'm a kind of a sensitive person and I would ask people and they'd be like, kind of mean, like, no. Or like, you know, like, well, if I wanted to, you know, I, I can't tell you some of the people, but might even know them. So I just got a little camera shy about asking people. So I would tell people in the chat, look, if you know somebody that wants to be on the show, have them contact me. Well, boy, like, like 200 people. So I was booked for like, how many, like, 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 like six months. Like, and so I had to do that. So now I'm booked to the end of July and I don't know when the pandemic's going to end, but I don't see any reason as long as there's guests and viewers for the show to end. I hope it doesn't, like I say, because it is incredible. And uh, if there's one guest, and I think I know the answer to this, because I think you mentioned it and you even mentioned his name earlier when we were talking about it, because I love his book too. But before I say that, I'd like you to say, or is there anybody that you would love to have on that just hasn't come on or, or uh, you haven't even tried to touch base with yet? That is a great question. Let me think. Is there anybody? Because I, I have really tried to reach out. Oh, yes, I can answer that. And and I've touched base with him and he said he's going to let me interview him, but so far not. That would be Michael Moss, who wrote the book Sugar, Fat and Salt and Hooked. Finally, I mean, after 10 years, he finally answered my email and the new book came out and he just hasn't given me a date. You know, he is kind of out of my league, I suppose. I'm small potatoes to him, but that would be a dream to interview him because his work has been so meaningful and helpful in my work, you know? Well, yeah. And that's who I was alluding to. And I heard you mention that on your show and I hope you get him too, because, and first of all, you're not small potatoes to anybody or as big as it gets right now. And, <laughs> and, and, and really, and, and, and he would be a great person to have on there and I bet you get him and I bet it'll be a great interview. And, and now chef AJ, we mentioned earlier and I can't let you go without asking you about your tonight show appearance and, I watched that on YouTube. It was hysterical. I couldn't even believe it was you. What was that experience like? Wow. That was like an out-of-body experience because I don't remember it so well. I was so nervous. I had been bumped several times. Bumped means they they book you. Your name's in the TV guide. We had a TV guide back then. It would come out like, you know, all the time. They'd have things in advance listed in the paper. And then the show would run long and I would get paid the full rate, but I never got on. And so then what happened is Johnny Carson said, because I was so gracious, they were going to put me at the top of the show, which never happens for an unknown to be given 10 minutes at the top of the show. And so I was just really, really nervous because it wasn't also if people see, see the see the bit and maybe you can link to it because it's on my YouTube page. It wasn't just so much being nervous meeting the person that's kind of like your idol. I had watched The Tonight Show since I was seven years old, so I had watched it for 20 years. But there was some – my act was not that easy to do. Should I say what it is or should, would it ruin it for the listeners or – Oh, I would say, yeah. say it. Go for it. Yeah. Okay. So, so what I'm doing is I am like blowing, I'm playing two flutes through my nose and blowing <laughs> bubbles through my mouth. And if you understand physiology, you know, to direct the air, like four, three places, at, this is what I did was not easy, by the way. And that, that's why was, there was some nervousness involved. If I was just sitting there chatting with him, like you, like about whatever, but the, and then then I had to do the whole thing upside down on my head. So there was, you know, it, it's just one of those things you can practice all day, but you just never know. So that's one of the reasons I was so nervous. And it did go off really well. And he was so kind. I mean, I cannot, I, you, know, you know what a mensch means? That's what Johnny Carson is. He's a mensch. 
That's great to know. And, and Chef AJ, how can our listeners find you, learn from you, and connect with you? Because you have so much to share. Obviously, they can watch your YouTube show every day. How else can they, can they find you? How else can they? Well, that's the best place because, like you say, I'm there every day. Um, books on Amazon, three, uh, four books maybe, if you count the ebook that I have on my website. My website's my name, Chef AJ. Where else can people find me? That's basically, you know, like I said, I've been on YouTube. Like you say, I've done almost 500 shows now since the pandemic began. So that's where I am every day. And I, and I do I do talk to people in the chat box. So, for example, if you ask me a question and I'm interviewing Dr. McDougall, I'm not going to answer it live. But I'm there on the side, you know, chatting with the folks while they're watching the show. It's, it's kind of fun. It's almost like there's two shows at once. Well, it does make it a lot of fun. And, and like you said, you know, you uh, had Nidal and Johnny Carson and. I've been doing this now for a few months. You've been doing it for, like you say, over a year with so many shows every day. I'm trying to get one out a week. And, uh, you know, having you on, I kind of feel like that, too. I mean, you've really given me a great gift to uh, come on my show. And I know how busy you are. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And like I say, I hope you keep doing what you do for a long, long time to come. And I'm sure you will because you've helped so many. You can continue, continue to do that. And again, you're just going to continue to spread the message of veganism in ways that not everybody can. And again, you are so unique, like I started out saying in this whole podcast episode. So thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my God, it's my pleasure. Thanks you. And, and good health to all your listeners. That was Chef AJ and I'm Jeff Rosenblum. Thank you for listening. And remember, eat, live and dream vegan.